You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. decision. One bad decision sets off a series of events that could have ended up in disaster or had been catastrophic, except for the fact that Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord and the Lord helped him during his need. It was a but God moment where the Lord helped Jehoshaphat. We'll get to that. So as we begin chapter 18, we see the results of God's blessing on the nation. One bad decision is all it takes to derail your life. In today's message, Pastor Dave looks at the story of Jehoshaphat, a man in good standing with God who allowed the voices of the world to muffle the voice of God. If you realize the world matters more to you than God's will, ask for forgiveness and tune out the world. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 18 as he begins his message, One Bad Decision. Second Chronicles 18 and look into 19. I've called this message one bad decision and it kind of follows suit there. So let's pray. Father God, as we now come before you in the name of Jesus, we ask Lord that you would open up our hearts to your word. I know you love it when we praise your holy name and your word tells us to rejoice always, to rejoice and again I say rejoice. So Lord, we thank you and we ask now Lord that you would set our hearts that we might study your word, that we might be students of your word, that we might know your word, and even though it's Old Testament, we can apply it to our lives today because your word is true yesterday, today, and forever. Your word will always be true and will always accomplish that what it's sent out for. It's like a two-edged sword able to cut between the bone and the marrow, the heart of the issue, and get right to the heart, Lord. We know that your word never comes back void, Father God. So open up our hearts to receive all that you have, Lord. Let us not look at it as a history lesson. Let us look at it as a God lesson. What do you want to teach us today, Father? We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The last time we studied, Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He removed the high places. He brought people back into the relationship with the Lord God, Jehovah, and the Lord was with him. In fact, look at chapter 17. To get a running start, I want to read a couple verses, beginning in verse 3 of chapter 17. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David and did not seek the Baals, but sought God, the God of his father, and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor in abundance, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord moreover. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images of Judah. Jehoshaphat prospered. 
And as he prospered, the nation prospered. And this is, it goes to, without saying, when the leader prospers, the nation's going to prosper. When the leader seeks the Lord, the nation's going to seek the Lord. And when the Lord is Lord of all, and you see these things, Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. He went hard after the Lord. He chose the Lord, and he wanted the people to go hard after the Lord. And look what happened. He prospered. The nation prospered. He was established. And I love that word. It's throughout the Bible. Established. And I always think of being established as having your feet set on the rock. And you're established. You have your feet set firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ. You know, and you can't be moved. You know, the waves and the water comes in and splashes all around. But you can't be moved because you're established on that rock. So Jehoshaphat prospered. And he began to teach the word of God to all of Judah. He sent out the priests and he sent out the Levites and they started teaching them the word of God. What a concept. And the entire kingdom felt the fear of the Lord. Sounds like a revival to me. I don't know, guys. It sounds like a revival in Judah. And the nations that surrounded Judah noticed and they wouldn't make war against the nation because they knew that the Lord God Jehovah was with them and they were afraid. And what did they do instead? They sent him gifts. (laughs) And he became increasingly powerful. He built fortified cities. He had much property. And he was surrounded by men of war and men of valor. And I I love that. And I think that a smart leader surrounds himself with men of valor. Surrounds himself with men, strong men in God that, that can keep a tight rein on things. And doesn't let the leader get out of hand. But holds the leader accountable. And I think men should hold each other accountable. We should hold each other accountable to the things we do. So I think it's very important. And I see this now as Jehoshaphat is reigning here. But one bad decision, one bad decision sets off a series of events that could have ended up in disaster or have been catastrophic, except for the fact that Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord and the Lord helped him. During his need, it was a but God moment where the Lord helped Jehoshaphat. We'll get to that. So as we begin chapter 18, we see the results of God's blessing on the nation and Jehoshaphat. Look at verse 1a. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. He had riches and honors in abundance and it was coming towards him and he was sharing it and letting it go down to all the people. Riches and honor in abundance coming down because he sought the Lord. All our riches are in Christ Jesus. Everything we have, we have in Christ Jesus. He's given us everything for life and godliness. He's poured out his entire heart upon us. In fact, he gave us his life on the cross. And so we have everything in him, and we should never want for anything. Riches and honor in abundance. But Jehoshaphat makes a critical mistake. He makes a critical mistake. Look at 1B. And by marriage, he allied himself with Ahab. He allied himself with King Ahab through marriage. He allowed his son to marry Ahab's daughter. All right? This was a very common practice. Now, for those of you who don't remember, Ahab right now, during this time, is the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. The northern kingdom is called Israel. So Jehoshaphat gave his son to Ahab's daughter. Very common practice back then, when you wanted to make a peace treaty with another group, 
You would marry. There would be a marriage in between the gang. It would be a peace treaty. But it's unwise. It's extremely unwise. It becomes a very, very bad decision. For one reason, he never consulted the Lord. He never consulted the Lord when the time came. He didn't look to the Lord. Instead of being obedient to the Lord, which would have been his best strategy, which would have helped out everything, and the Lord would have protected him, he compromised. And he went to an ungodly king. Ungodly King Ahab, who by then was married to that very virtuous woman by the name of Jezebel. I say that with all tongue in cheek. Remember when we studied 1 Kings, she was anything but virtuous. When we studied 1 Kings, we saw just how Ahab was. He introduced the worship of a new pagan gods. His fourth father, Jeroboam, was the first of the kingdom of Israel. I can do that. He was the first king of those tribes, and he said, I will worship the Lord, but do it my way. And he built these oxen. Remember the two cities, the calves? Ahab just said, I want to forget about the Lord and completely worship Baal. And he went towards him. Jehoshaphat had everything going for him. The Lord was with him. He was helping him. He was protecting him. He was guiding him. The Lord had exalted Jehoshaphat and helped him prosper. The Lord protected him from wars. So why did he go and make this deal with Ahab? Why would he do such a thing? Well, many think that Jehoshaphat thought that he could reunite the nation. Remember under Rehoboam, Solomon's son, the nation split? Well, Many think that Jehoshaphat thought that he could reunite the kingdom, which is what God wanted. God wanted one Israel, not two different kingdoms. So he might have thought he was helping God out by doing this. When I read this, I was reminded of Moses. When Moses knew what God had called him to do, but he went around it the wrong way. What did he do? He killed the Egyptian, remember? He went down there and killed the Egyptian, and then all of a sudden it came back, and, and, he, and he saw two uh, Israelites fighting, and they said, what are you going to do, kill us too, like you did the Egyptian? So he hightailed it out. But other things, Jehoshaphat just wanted to keep the peace. But we know the Lord had other plans because the Lord was orchestrating all this. The Lord was orchestrating all this for his purpose. Gee, what a surprise. The Lord orchestrating all this thing. What a concept. The Lord actually being in charge of all things and orchestrating these things. So, But here is an example of what I call good intentions gone bad. Good intentions gone bad. You know, sometimes we get into extreme trouble because we have good intentions. What we want to do is good, but they're not. it's not of the Lord. And we go out without consulting the Lord or waiting for the Lord, and we get ourselves in difficulty, we get ourselves in trouble because we haven't consulted the Lord. So Jehoshaphat compromised and aligned himself with the pagan king. And there's a scripture, you don't have to turn here, I'll go there for you. There's a scripture that Paul spoke about this in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. You'll recognize the scripture. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Now, right away you're thinking, well, gee, Pastor Dave, that only applies to marriage. No, it does not. It does not only apply to marriage, which is what usually there. It applies to any environment where we let the world influence our thinking. Any environment at all. When we are being conformed to this world and not being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We join together with unbelievers in an ungodly way. 
This speaks of influence. Paul is not suggesting that Christians never associate with unbelievers. He made that clear in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. The principle is that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. The natural example is a ship is in the water, but the water is not in the ship, or else it would be under the water. So that's what happens when the world gets in us. We go under. We, we sink. If the world is influencing us, it is clear we are unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You hear what I'm saying here? It's important that you listen. And this unequally yoke or ungodly influence comes from the unlikeliest source, a book, a movie, a television show, a magazine, or even worldly Christian friends. Christian friends who have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ, and they can't decide where they want to go. And they drag us down. They pull us down. Most Christians are far into discriminate about the things we allow to influence our minds, you know. And I'm not trying to be legalistic here, but I'm saying you have to be careful with what comes in here. We have to be careful with what we take in, all of us, me included. And I've watched some things sometimes, and in the middle I'm going, what am I watching this for? That's why they have a remote. We all like to believe that we can be around ungodly things as much as we want, and that we're strong enough to ward off their influence. But we have to take serious the words of Scripture. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 1 Corinthians 15.33. It needs to come back to the simple question in Romans 12.2. Are you being conformed to this world? Or are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind by the Holy Spirit? Is that what you're listening to? Is that what you're doing? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you, to teach you, to lead you? Are you waiting and submitted to the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit the most important influence on your life, or is all this other stuff influencing you? I think you have to look at yourself, and you have to ask yourself, where am I? So Ahab asked Jehoshaphat to help him, and he's relying on the relationship through marriage to persuade the king of Judah to join forces with him. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. After some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. This is Jehoshaphat. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him. And the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are, and my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. What? Now, First of all, it made sense. Good intentions usually make sense. Because this place, Ramoth Gilead, was only about 40 miles from Jerusalem. 40 miles from the capital city of Judah. And it was too close for comfort, and they could launch an attack on Jerusalem. But it's a bad compromise. It's a bad compromise. We know he's already allowed his son to marry Ahab's daughter. So he feels he's in kind of a bind. But... The statement in verse 3. Did you hear the statement in verse 3? I am as you are. What? No, you're not. You're nothing like that, Jehoshaphat. You're a child of God. That's like us saying to someone out there who's doing whatever, I'm like you are. No, you're not. That's like saying we're all children of God. No, we are not. We're all born in God's image, but we're not all children of God. You become a child of God when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You become adopted into the family. But this is a sad attempt by Ahab to relate to Jehoshaphat. 
but he should not be relating to Ahab in any shape or form. What communion does light have with darkness? Do you see the problem here? It's interesting that Ahab changed his tactic because up until then, he was always attacking Judah. Now he was attracting Judah. Satan has that ploy too. Satan likes to attract us in. He likes to put out some bait. He comes as an angel of light, and he puts the bait out, and he attracts us. He tries to lead us to the snare of the fowler. He tries to attract us in there, and we follow the bait sometimes, and we look, and next thing we go, how did I get here? Well, you're following the bait. You're going after the wrong thing. Take heed, Christian. Take heed, least you fall. Take heed. And we're back to that word once more that we've studied at length many, many times, compromise. And the sin of compromise doesn't always claim us at first, but it usually comes and grabs us when we're unaware. Compromise is one of the cleverest, most seductive, most subtle, effective, deadly tactics that Satan uses against a Christian. Satan doesn't expect us to go out and just sin horrendously. It usually doesn't happen that way, although it can. No, he would much rather convince us to lower our guard just a little bit. Lower our guard just a little bit, a little bit at a time. And then when we least expect it, we realize what has happened. It's too late and we stumble, we fall, scrape our nose. Thank God we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Thank God we can come back and say, I'm sorry, Lord, and repent and let our heart be open to God. But he loves to do that to us. Instead of falling headlong into a pattern of sin, we drop our standards one tiny notch at a time, and our integrity is in pair, and our character is in danger, and our relationship with the Lord is compromised. This is what's happening here to King Jehoshaphat. He's compromised his relationship with the Lord. Remember all those accolades we saw, how he sought the Lord, and the Lord established him, and the Lord did all these great things for him? Well, here he's compromising that. It's almost like, wait a minute, and he doesn't even inquire of the Lord, should I do this? He just does it. But he finally kind of comes to, so to speak. He's already in trouble, but he's walking a real thin line. Let's look at four through eight. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire of the word of the Lord today. Good for you, Joe. Good for you. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into your king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Now there is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is Micaiah, the son of Imna. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. Then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imna, quickly. So they have all these prophets come around and they're going to prophesy, right? 400 of them. 400 of them say, yeah, go there. Come on, let's go. But Jehoshaphat wasn't keen on them. I'll tell you what. Joe shows great judgment and great discernment, not trusting these 400 guys who seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of the gifts is the discerning of spirits. I believe that Jehoshaphat, through the Lord, had this at this time. He had this at this time. He had this gift that was given to him. And he doesn't trust these 400 men. 
Had he heard about these prophets before? See, he had this gift. He doesn't deter them. What would you do? Imagine 400 people came and told you the exact same thing. You should do this. I'll bet a lot of us, me included, would have a hard time not doing that. We'd have a hard time not doing that. I believe we would. We would have a hard time not doing that. That's tough to ignore. But Jehoshaphat now makes a wise decision. So he made a bad decision, and now he makes a wise decision. Okay, he's one and one. One win, one loss. So Ahab gathered the prophets. So number one, they weren't faithful prophets to the Lord. And number two, they were prophets happy to please the king. They wanted to tell the king anything he wanted to hear because they were afraid of the king and what he might do to them. And good for Jehoshaphat. He still wanted to hear the prophet of Yahweh, the Lord. But I love the fact that something's wrong with the prophet Micaiah. <laughs> this guy, he never tells me what I want to hear. <laughs> I love that. A true prophet of the Lord speaks what? Truth. A true prophet of the Lord speaks truth. In fact, should you ever prophesy and give a futuristic prophecy and it doesn't come true, what should happen to you according to Scripture? We should stone you. So be careful when you prophesy. Make sure it's of the Lord, you know? Make sure it's of the Lord. Ahab hated the messenger because of the message. His real conflict was not with Micaiah at all. Who was his conflict with? God, Jehovah, is God. But he focused on his hatred with Micaiah. Yet he was willing to listen to king of Judah when he advised that we should go to this guy. So he comes in now. And I love this guy. He's pretty cool. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, clothed in their robes, sat each on his throne, and they sat at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chenanah, had made horns of iron for himself and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied to so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into your hands. Each sat on a throne. It illustrates this ancient custom of where judgment took place. It took place at the city gate. It took place at the city gate. And you had to be a real prominent person to sit at the city gate. One person who sat at the city gate was Lot. Lot sat at the city gate. And that's how much prominence he had in Sodom. He sat at the city gate. And that's another story. Look that up. But it's an old custom. This is where they held things. Notice the prophets used, thus says the Lord. But they were unfaithful prophets, such as Zedekiah. They prophesied in the name of the Lord, but they didn't prophesy truthfully. And many commentators think that they were pagan prophets, and perhaps they represented a pagan god or goddesses or whatever like that. But they were just going around. But others think that these were truly prophets of God, but they were just unfaithful to the Lord God Jehovah because they were afraid. Have you ever told somebody what they wanted to hear because you were afraid of their reaction? Think about it. Have you ever told somebody because you were afraid that they might get angry at you if you told them the truth? If you told them what they were doing wrong? Have you ever, that happened? Sure, sure. Perhaps they were true followers of Yahweh who were seduced by Ahab and they wanted repentance. But they aligned themselves with Ahab and that was terrible. We see this today. We see strong men, strong women of Christianity, strong Christians. And unfortunately, they leave the cover of God and they start to do their own thing. You are a sure hope. 
Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. The book follows the kingship of Solomon all the way through until both Judah and Israel are taken over by other kingdoms surrounding them. There are many moments of great faith within these pages and also typical moments of falling away from where Israel had begun. But the moments of faith put a spotlight on God and His amazing ways of coming through for His people. No matter the situation, God is on the throne. He's more powerful than any opposing country or enemy that's coming against you. So take courage and believe God for big things today. If you're enjoying this series from Assure Hope, we invite you to check out more messages at assurehoperadio.com. Get to know more about Pastor Dave while you're there. You can also get a feel for the church behind this ministry, too. That church is Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. Please feel free to explore our website to get more information on service times and other useful information. If you're not in the area, why not find us on Facebook or YouTube? We live stream our services to both of these platforms. Find links to both of these on our website, assurehoperadio.com. If for any reason you'd like to email us, you're welcome to do that as well. Our email address is info at capewatchradio.com. Our time is up for now, but make sure you come back again for another edition with Pastor Dave, teaching through the book of Second Chronicles on a sure hope. Show. Sure.